It's time for Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk on News Talk 1400 and 93.9 FM WDWS Champaign-Urbana, where we talk all things Illini along with other area and national sports. Join the program by calling 217-356-9397 or send a text to the Castle Heating and Cooling text line 217-351-5357. Now, here are your hosts, Lauren Tate and Steve Kelly. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to Alana Ipella Saturday Sports Talk with you until 11 o'clock. Lauren Tate is in the house as well. After being in the house at the Assembly Hall last night, Illinois wins its fourth straight game and opens the Big Ten season with a win over the Rutgers Scarlet Knights. Mr. Tate, how are you doing this morning? I'm doing fine. All kinds of stuff going on, Steve. We've got a lot of big football games today. Big Ten basketball season is underway. Coaches going here and there. Players going here and there. Or at least going to the portal. Some coaches quitting, some coaches staying on, getting big money. You know, who? what's next? Did you ever think you'd see a time where the Notre Dame coach leaves, not because he's fired or he retires or he's just We're going to do another anyway. job? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no. And Another good job. Kelly will never be respected at Notre Dame for all that he did and, and winning double-figure games here the last several years. Uh, they're going to be. I think that he will be ill received at Notre Dame. Did you hear him now, when, he, when he talked at the halftime? Yeah, of the but game? I didn't pick up the Southern twang as much as everybody else. I mean, everybody made quite a fun. Did you catch it? I did catch it, but mainly maybe only because somebody mentioned it before I listened to oh, it. Oh yeah, I was looking for it too. Yeah, but uh, yeah, it, yeah, I did notice it a little bit. But then again, I I hadn't heard him talk a lot. Hey, when you're in Kentucky, it's you all. Y'all. When you're, y'all. One, one word. When you're in New Orleans, there's a whole different... They, they had a coach there that had his own draw. When I first went to Kentucky, <laughs> when I moved, oh, yeah, he did. <laughs> I couldn't he even had his understand. own language. I couldn't even understand him. <laughs> uh, when I first went to Kentucky and I, I said something about you all, I said, well, first of all, you need to learn how to say it. It's y'all, and it's Louisville. <laughs> Louisville. <laughs> <laughs> We've got the phone lines open. Let's uh, check in with Alan in Montrose, who's with us. What's on your mind, Alan? Morning, guys. Uh, nice, solid win last night. I uh, thought we would win, especially after I heard Geo Baker was out, but I didn't think we'd uh, dismantle him like we did there. Uh, I'm going to do something I have never done before in my life. I'm going to a junior high basketball game, and I'm actually going to pay to get in instead of officiating <laughs> or whatever. Uh, only has a grade school team. That's supposed to be phenomenal. They have a six-eight kid playing, and they have a six-four kid that's a seventh grader that plays on the eighth-grade team. It's supposed to be the best player in the state by the name of Javon Mitchell, and they're playing Santa and Santa has a very good grade school team. So I'm actually going to go there and see what this is all about. Shades Not of Jim Turpin at Alney, huh? Right, Jim Turpin's only. Team. Okay. And I guess they're pretty good. Well, we'll expect it. Sounds like they're taller than everybody else. If they're in, <laughs> yeah. in grade school and they're nearly seven feet tall. <laughs> yeah, most high school teams be thrilled to have that kind of size. But uh, this six four kid that's the seventh grade is supposed to be the best grade school play, player in the state, period. So I'm going to see if he's the real deal. We'll, we'll expect a full report. <laughs> 
Yeah, okay. <laughs> Get the, oh, by the way, what was the situation with Mark Turgeon? I think he just got tired, and I think he just was... Uh, burned out? Burned out. That's, a, that's the word, burned out. And I think he said he hadn't seen his wife in a long... Or that was... That was uh, Mendenhall that said he hadn't seen his wife in a long time, wasn't it? That's another right. surprise this week. Was yeah, Mendenhall quit at Virginia, but I don't, I don't know. It's a it's an awful, whatever, however much money they make, and it's outrageous. It's also a, a awful hard on the body and the mind to have those jobs because so much pressure, and you play a game one night, and then the next thing you know, you're working till midnight or two o'clock in the morning on the next team, and I think he just wore out. It was a mutual thing. I don't. I don't think they were happy with him, and I don't think he was happy with them. And I think that he took his five million dollars and walked off. Well, can't beat that. Uh, kind of funny. How long Danny Manning been with him? Hadn't been that long, had he? I don't know how many years. I think it's been several years, though. I don't. Don't you? I think it's just been a couple. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Several couple. Okay. <laughs> well, several makes it sound like half a dozen. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. What else you got, Alan? That's it. That'll do it. All right. Thank you for the call. We appreciate it. 356-9397 is the number if you'd like to join us. 217, of course. Illinois wins over Rutgers, 86-51 to go to 6-2 and two on the season. 1-0 in the Big Ten. The other uh, game and on the opening night of Big Ten play last night, number two, soon to be number one, Purdue beat Iowa 77-70. to I got home in time to see... Uh, a lot of that ball game, about the second half of the first half and then the, the second half of the game. And uh, Purdue had, a, I think, a 13-point lead at halftime. No, maybe it was nine, somewhere around there. But And then Iowa outscored them in the second half, Lauren, and, and made it uh, respectable there. Well, they got up within a couple of points there. Yeah. But they, but uh, Purdue had the big lead and then just went cold, and, and Purdue made an, and Iowa made a nice run. I think Purdue had an unusual for them number of turnovers. Uh, but uh, – they were able to make some free throws at the end and expand it to 77-70. But uh, that was an interesting uh, effort by Iowa without Murray. Their best player was Correct. not available. And they indicated they think, I mean, the coach said that he thinks that Murray will be back for Illinois. Murray's a, an all-Big Ten candidate. No kidding. He's yeah, this, I mean, he's he off went, to a great start. He was second in the country to Kofi in uh, in scoring in the early part of the season. Of course, Illinois goes to Iowa City on Monday for that game on Monday night at 6 o'clock at Carver-Hawkeye Arena. In uh, Big Ten basketball today, Nebraska plays at Indiana. Uh, and then some other teams are playing out of league. Uh, Michigan State is taking on Toledo, Wisconsin, and Marquette. Michigan and San Diego State. What's going on with Michigan, you think? Uh, they were in the top five early in the season? Well, guard play is number one. They lost too much, and maybe, uh, well, they got in foul trouble the last game, so that's that's one of the factors. Uh, but they've lost the last two games by a total of 39 points. So that's two 20s, right? <laughs> Almost. <laughs> yeah. So there's something really, really wrong, and, and maybe, uh, maybe they just lost more than they can replace. The little guard, what's his name, Smith, last year was really a factor. And then, of course, they lost uh, one of the two, the both fours, Livers and, and the other fellow from Berlin. Um, Wagner. Wagner. Uh, they, that's a lot to replace. And, and sometimes, you, you know, the, I think everybody just, anti- since it was Michigan, that they'd come back just as strong as they were before without those players. And it, it still comes down to the players. 
Let's go back to the phones. Eric in Champaign. Good morning, Eric. Hey, good morning, guys. Uh, I wanted to talk about um, in college football with the transfers. Uh, the one that really caught my eye now was the Ohio State kid, Ewers. Um, you know, he was the big hot shot out of high school that went there and yep. uh, got, got a, a million dollars in NIL, never n- played a couple snaps. But Well, uh, he, he's one of four five-star quarterbacks they have at Ohio State, so I guess a couple of them. Two of them are in. Two yeah. of them are in the portal. Yep. Huh? Well, they want right. to play. I mean, um, who wants to sit on the bench the whole time you're in college? Correct. Well, the thing with the NIL surprised me, too, because I remember when when it was announced with Illinois doing it, Josh Whitman said that that's a recruiting tool. And and um, it, it, it goes to show me that nobody's getting a million dollars at Illinois. Like, at least not that we're aware of, but Ohio State people, you know, is it the city or whatever, the area that can generate that for them? The pro, I mean, it's uh, yes. It's unclear how that, you know, you know what I'm saying? You know, like all it takes is, a, is somebody that wants to give him a million dollars. It doesn't, you know, that's all it takes. There are a lot of major companies in uh, Ohio, which is the largest city in the state now, surpassing uh, Cleveland and Cincinnati. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah and uh, the, the, other, the other quarterback from Ohio State, Miller, um, I remember from him from a couple of years ago, he, he, he also transferred. That's, you know, these guys from like Illinois' point of view, you could just say, hey, you, there's no competition. You're starting day one when you come here. You know, if, if that's, uh, you know, somebody they want to look at, hopefully they're uh, looking at players like that. I know um, there's, there's a lot of quarterbacks out there already. <laughs> it's amazing how many have Well, Stroud's going to be their quarterback. you got to go somewhere else yeah. if you want to play, unless he gets hurt. By the way, I want to – Manning has only been there since – 2021. What year was that? <laughs> I think this is his first year. So we were both wrong. Several and a couple. Well, of I thought he'd been there several years. I, I I thought he'd been there a couple of years. But I he well, was he, at Wake Forest. He arrived before. in April of 2021. <laughs> so that's not even a year. Anything else, Eric? Well, uh, one uh, one last thing I want to mention was, um, uh, you know, Kelly leaving Notre Dame. So so if things go right today, which for for Notre Dame, they could end up in the playoff. Mm-hmm. A coach, you know, I mean, and why he would leave with the, you know, before all that happened is, is kind of boggling my mind. Yeah, because, I can't uh, understand why he would take $95 million to leave. I, why would he do that? Well, Can you imagine? Why would he do that? $95 million. <laughs> why, why, play, why play the season, you know? I mean, it, it kind of defeats the whole purpose of the season in my mind. Well, the maybe, he, maybe the money team. means more to him than the game. What do you think? Yeah. That's true. That's very true. That's it's unfortunate. But uh, anyway, uh, you guys have a good show. Thanks. Yeah. Hey, thanks, Eric. I think I think that Kelly's a terrific coach, and I don't like him at all. <laughs> I, I, I wouldn't want him. I, you know, I it's just a, it's a me world. I think. Well, right it, yeah, I'm, I, and that's fine. I mean, but let's not kid ourselves. It's all about the money. Well, when you were talking, yeah, exactly. But when you were talking about Mark Sturgeon, and I, and I agree with what you said. You get burned out, but those yeah. those millions of dollars you have in your back pocket for working those long hours. Oh, absolutely. Now, you work long hours. How many million do you get for that? Well, I get millions a year. I mean, <laughs> I'm a heavy, you know, I figured this thing out a long time ago. They would have fired me if they were paying me. <laughs> <laughs> a long hey, time ago. You just said that on there. Don't give me any ideas. Of course, I guess if they well, were gonna, What do you mean ideas? I, I just made a statement. It's a true statement. If they were going to do it, they'd have done it by now, right? Uh, right. <laughs>
It is 12 minutes after 9 o'clock. The phone line is open, 217-356-9397. Here's our guest lineup. We're going to talk about last night's game and fighting Illini basketball with Dion Thomas coming up in just a few minutes. High school basketball, there's a big event in Chicago, the Chicago Elite Classic. Joe Henriksen, who we have uh, on uh, a few times a year to talk high school basketball and uh, recruiting, will join us at 930 Adam Rittenberg from ESPN.com at 10 o'clock. You'll have a good uh, take on uh, Brian Kelly and the other coaching news of the week. And, of course, the uh, big um, conference championship games being played today, including the Big Ten title game tonight, Michigan and Iowa. And then at 1030, we'll learn more about that game and Iowa basketball. Steve Batterson from the Quad City Times will be our guest. We'll take our first time out. We'll keep the phone lines open uh, throughout Feel free to join us on Illini Palace Saturday Sports Talk here on News Talk 1400, DWS, and 93.9 FM. And this afternoon, Illini Women's Volleyball NCAA Tournament. Chris Thomas's team winning over West Virginia last night after dropping the uh, first set. They won three straight to move into the uh, second round play against host Kentucky. The Wildcats beat uh, Southeast Missouri. 3 nothing. so uh, this uh, portion of the NCAA tournament, the early rounds being played on Kentucky's home court at Memorial Stadium in uh, Memorial Coliseum, rather, in uh, Lexington, Kentucky. So Illinois and Kentucky this afternoon at 4. You can hear it right here. A couple of callers waiting. Let's go to Columbia, Missouri. And Eric, good morning, Eric. What's on your mind? Uh, good morning, guys. Um, I just had a question for you. Um, you know, we've got such a Puerto Rican connection on the team. Um, this year in particular, you know, with Andre and Trent and Melendez and now, you know, our sharpshooter Plummer, and where would we be without him? So the, the, the question is, we had one other guy. We could have fielded a all-Puerto Rican, uh, you know, roster uh, or out on the floor, but the guy Edgar Padilla Jr., it looks like he's not, the walk-on is not on the team anymore. Do you know uh, where he went or what happened with that? don't know where he went. I just know that he left. Uh, he, uh, um, after, shortly after last season, he decided to, to uh, not come back. Ah, okay. Okay. Well, I'm real appreciative of those guys and uh, everything they've done for us. So, um, uh, anyway, it's just kind of a great connection. I hope we keep that pipeline coming. Hey, By the way, you're you're down in Missouri. What's going on with the Tigers? Did they lo- did they really <laughs> lose to Liberty by what twenty one? They did, they did, and um, I'm actually going to the game, uh, the EIU game on Tuesday. They asked me if I wanted tickets, and I'm like, well, let's go to that one. They'll probably win. But I'm now I'm kind of hoping that Marty Simmons and you know Tom will take them. So, uh, you know, I, I haven't become a Missouri Tiger, let's put it that way. I'm kind of a, a, an Illini, you know, in the midst of a uh, field of Tigers down here. So I will continue to be that, yeah. Well, Brian Barnard's still celebrating that victory. You know, he graduated from Liberty. <laughs> yeah. Or at least he attended. I don't know if he graduated. <laughs> <laughs> well, they had a pretty good team last year, didn't they? I mean, I don't know what they're like this yeah, year. Yeah, I think uh, so. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, they've built, I think they've got a good football team, too. But uh, uh, who knows? Uh, I know it hasn't been a good year so far for EIU, but uh, I guess that would lead to another quick question. Uh, Marty Simmons is just such a legend and everything. Uh, uh, 
was there a reason that he just just got kind of burnt out to leave Evansville? He was so I don't know that you know when you say he was a legend, I you know that was about seventy pounds ago. Uh yeah yeah. <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> I'm having fun today. <laughs> Lauren's high on life. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, good, good. Well, you 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 are kicking it at ninety, Lauren, and uh, I think I've told you before, but. I'm a neurologist, and you pass your cognitive exams with flying colors, so keep on doing it, buddy. <laughs> okay. Thank hey, you. thanks for the call, Eric. We appreciate you listening. Okay, thanks. Let's thanks go to you. Yep, see ya. Let's go to Steve in Princeton. What's up, Steve? Hey, good morning, guys. Hey, I just had a question. I've heard this Trent Frazier commercial that he does for, uh, I think, the Housing Authority or something like that. Does that fall under this NIL? Is he getting paid to do that commercial? I suppose so. Why wouldn't it? I mean, I'm not. Che- I'm not checking on him, but I mean, yeah. I, I mean, I would think so. Cause I didn't know because it's a government agency and stuff, and I didn't know, you know. I don't think I there's think any limit on what they can on how they can get the money. So, but I've heard that, and I just wonder if he was tapping into that. I, I d- to one, tell you the truth, I don't know, but I would I would think that uh, these players are doing everything possible to pick up a buck here or there. Now, I haven't seen many. Are any of the other guys doing commercials, or where do they get this NIL money for doing? We don't have a report on that. We don't know how they're doing it. We, They don't have to tell us. But we do know that they are receiving money, and we don't know how much Kofi's getting or whether, who he's getting it from. I just know from talking to people that are involved in, with him that he's getting money. Okay, because I haven't seen his name, you know, on billboards. Or- They're already working to get Kofi back here next year. Now, I think that's a long shot, but if you can get him enough money, <laughs> you know, where's he going to make more money? I mean, maybe if he could get in the NBA, that's one thing, but if he's going to be in the in the G League, that's another. And then the other question is, where's like LSU and these coaches in USC getting a hundred million to pay the coaches? Is that from donors? Yeah, funds yeah. There's a lot of donors involved at, at Michigan State. I know uh, for Tucker, and uh, I think that that's also true at USC. I don't know for sure. I've just heard the reports that there were four men at at East Lansing. I, I say at Michigan State. Let's put it that way, or connected with Michigan State that have contributed mightily to the Tucker. Uh, salary, and I assume that the same thing is happening at at LSU and and uh, USC. All that says there's a lot of wealthy people out there if they can afford to pay that. Well, there are a lot of wealthy people out there. A lot of billionaires in the country right now, billionaires. And you know, for them okay, to give enjoy. for them to give a million dollars is like Steve Kelly giving what a quarter. <laughs> I was going to say a hundred, but <laughs> thanks, thanks for uh, putting me down there in that category. Hey, Steve, thanks for the call. We appreciate it. Okay, thanks, guys. Feel free to join in if you'd like. Two one seven three five six nine three nine seven to the Lauren Tate Comedy Hour, <laughs> which will continue into uh, two I'll hours. Calm down at no, no, time. don't don't calm down. Uh, you, you give me something to shoot for when I hit ninety. <laughs> I just been sitting here thinking, boy, I I got to apologize to. Uh, to uh, Marty Simmons because he's liable to sit on me. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be the end. I'm guessing he could still catch you if he <laughs> oh, needed <yeah>. to. <laughs> yeah.
<laughs> but, but thanks for giving all of us a little inspiration on how we're going to feel when we hit 90. <laughs> so so whatever you're doing Delirious. off the air, you can tell me what it is you're doing, and we can, uh, we can figure that out. Let's go back to that ball game last night. Uh, a couple of key things in my mind watching uh, there, the game there from courtside. Uh, number one, of course, was the play of uh, Coleman Hawkins on Ron Harper Jr. I thought he did a good job there. He did, and he got a lot of help. He did. I mean, the, the biggest thing out of that game that I took, there are two things that I, that I took away from that game. Number one was the way the defense helped each other. In other words, there's constant picks that you you can't always get through as a defender. You have to get help, from and, and, and we were alert to that. The other thing was the number of times that Kofi passed the ball out of the post. And the reason that's important is that Illinois has gone from a pick-and-roll offense when they had Corbello to a post-up offense. When, when you throw the ball to Kofi, immediately somebody is open. It's an offense in itself. And that's why... You say, well, uh, you know, uh, Granison had a great game. Well, Granison's just standing over there, and he, he's not doing anything. He's just standing in the corner, and, and they're leaving him, and, and he gets the ball, and he shoots it in the basket. I mean, there's no, the reason these guys are successful with his shooting is because Kofi is drawing so much attention. Yeah, Kofi had two more assists, and I think he had two hockey assists on top of that, passes that he threw out that went to another another person, and they made the shot. But uh, uh, but uh, I was going to mention Grandison because I, th- I think his little spurt there midway through the first half because of what you just said, but he still had to make the shots, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I thought that spurt uh, really opened the game up. Well, I, I think we got – I think it's – what is happening is that Kofi makes everybody better. I mean, now tell me how that's going to work when Corbello comes back because w- this was a pick-and-roll offense – when Corbella was there, it's now a post-up offense, and they're circling around Kofi and not trying to bring him out or, or set picks like that. So it's, I, I don't know quite, but I do know this. Uh, when we had Head uh, and, and, and that unit with Williams and D. D Brown, you had three guards. You could have a three-guard lineup now with, uh, with Corbello and Plummer and, and Frazier. It would work. But the way the difference is the way Underwood substitutes, you're constantly churning the, the, the lineup. Anyway, it was his seventh different lineup last night, starting lineup. The starting lineup doesn't matter. He's, he pulled Kofi out in the first four minutes. I mean, he's substituting all the time. So um, <laughs> what are we going to do? We're going to run one kind of offense when Corbella comes back and, and a different offense when he's not in there. I, I don't know. I don't know. I just know that what's happening right now is creating openings for other players. And, and by the way, the teamwork is a lot better now, the total teamwork as opposed to one guy dribbling. They ended up last night with only 10 turnovers, and they had four in the first three and a half minutes. They had seven and a half time, didn't they? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Seven and three in the, in the second half. The second half was a good performance. But that first media timeout, I told Kent Brown, I said, well, Illinois is on pace for 40 turnovers. <laughs> A turnover a minute. To make really dumb turnovers early, and, and, and you know we've seen several games here where if you go back and look at the games that Illinois lost, look at the turnovers. Ridiculous. I mean, if if you have twenty turnovers, that's what was it 20, 20, 26 20, at Marquette? Yeah, that's twenty some shots you don't get, and it, it certainly affects everything. But this has been a problem early in the season before, and we've seen Illinois come out of it. And I just think that the coaching of Underwood is a big factor in this whole thing. 
I know they will, you know, we'll get a call from what's his name from Rockford, and you know, they lost two games out of four because they lost to Loyola and then they lost to you know, Marquette. And then, well, look, uh, one game isn't going to tell you how good they are, and, and, and the game that we saw last night won't, won't necessarily carry over to Iowa. There's an awful big factor there at home court, but and Murray will probably be back for them, and I don't expect Illinois will win there. I mean, I, I, I think they can. But I think that Iowa will play out of their heads because it's Illinois coming over and they've got the crowd. Yeah, and they don't have uh, Luca Garza in there to lean on. Is Kofi. he playing there anymore? <laughs> no. Good. And he actually, you know, Kofi has some good games against him, but they don't mm-hmm. have anybody like that to, to, to yeah. try to manage Kofi either in that ball game. Let's well, go back. They, they, they've really gone. They've really uh, developed some some teamwork that uh, the roles have been uh, s- uh, resolved. At least in the, until Corbella gets back. Let's go back to the phones at 927. And Marty is with us from North Carolina. Hey, Marty. Morning, Steve. Morning, Lauren. Good, Good morning. morning. Um, in answer to your, your question, Lauren, um, you've got a pretty good head coach. And he will adjust to the personnel he's playing as to what offense he wants to run. And Corbello um, will adjust also. Uh, the problem they've had is they haven't had the same lineup hardly at all to work together. Last night was the best team defense I've seen them play in a while. Yeah. Um, where they helped and recovered. Yeah. They, they helped, but they got back to their men. They didn't leave uh, gaping holes. Um, I, I think they'll be okay whether they want to run pick and roll or whether they run, run through the post. It can be done either way. And he's got the personnel to do it either way. Um, I'm just, I'm more concerned about what happens in close games because they still don't have a guy yet. And I don't know if they'll ever have one again to take the DeSumo role of just give me the ball and I'll make it happen. Um, they're the, uh, the mid range game is not, not as solid on this team as it was in the past because of that, but they got lots of guys that can play. Um, I'll be interested to see if they rebound well when they get into the Purdue-Iowa-type games. I'll be interested to see what happens Monday night because Iowa's better than I thought they were. Uh, they pl- they played much better last night at Purdue than I thought they would without Keegan Murray. Yeah. So it, it, it'll be okay. I'll, I, I, I'll be happier, though. What's your prediction on when the, the, uh, the billionaires and millionaires are going to decide to get together and just solve their problem? Which problem? Uh, well, the problem of uh, how are we going to do service time in baseball? How are how are we going to even out the pay for younger players versus older players, et cetera, those type of things? Well, I, I can't answer. I, I don't know how that uh, that uh, semi strike is going to be, but uh, the walkout, but. I I um, I just uh, you switched on me from from basketball to baseball so quick I, I, did I didn't know <laughs> I did it quickly. But uh, well, I, I want. And by the way, you you are you are good today. Of course, there is one question I had. I had always heard before that you were the frugal one in the bunch, and it seems to me you think Steve Kelly is. So, I'm confused hey. now. No, he just said I didn't have any money. He, he didn't say I was frugal. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. oh, okay. 
right. Well, that, that explains that one. Yeah, I, I spend what I have. <laughs> yeah, it's a little off the subject, but what did you guys think of the Matt signing? Because I kind of liked it because he throws a lot of ground balls. Yeah, I like that too. I like having a left-hander in the, in the rotation. So good stuff. Hey, Marty, thanks. Got Dion Thomas yep. with us. I we we appreciate it. Let's uh, go to Dion, who is with us. Uh, analyst, of course, former Illini basketball player, all-time leading scorer on the line with us. Dion, how are you doing this morning? I'm doing well. I'm doing well, Steve and Lauren. How are you guys doing this morning? We're good. We wanted to get your uh, take on the game last night. Illinois came out uh, and took control of that ball game against uh, Rutgers in the early going and a uh, uh, usual Kofi game, 13 and 15. And, but uh, Plummer stepped up again. Your thoughts on that game and this uh, Illinois team now through eight games? Well, you know, let's talk about this game first, I guess. I mean, it, it, after a slow start, uh, you, you could really see this team on the offensive end uh, really start to click. But I, I love what they were doing on the defensive end. Uh, what Coleman Hawkins and how with the job he did on one of the best players in the Big Ten, Ron Harper Jr., was amazing. I mean, he used his length to really bother him getting over screens, especially, especially for someone his size. So, I mean, the footwork that he had to, to you know, display to get through those screens and really stay in front of Ron Harper Jr. was was exceptional. But what they did, I mean, they really, even though they weren't scoring themselves early on and they had four turnovers early on, which, you know, could have, you know, really hurt the Illini, they didn't allow that to happen because what they did defensively. So we all know that that's one of Coach Underwood's staples. You know, you have to play defense for him. He doesn't really, um, you know, I won't say control the offense, but he gives the guys a little bit more freedom on the offensive end, but he expects you to play defense and rebound. And that's what those guys did earlier. And then once the offense got going, you know, Alfonso Plummer makes that first three, and it just seems like they started rolling after that. And it really blew it open in about a four- or five-minute span where they had two, um, like, 15-to-1, I think one of them was, and like a 17-to-2 run. And they blew that game open. I mean, the team looked really good once they got rolling. And just think about it. I mean, we're still not healthy. I mean, you had several guys out there that were coming off of the flu. You know, I still to believe that Austin Hutchinson is going to be a big part of what we do, and he's coming off the flu. We have Trent, who's <laughs> every week just banged up. And, of course, Andre Cabello is still out with uh, what I believe to be, you know, kind of some of the remnants from the concussion. But, you know, this team is going to be really good. And as we know, historically, Brad Underwood teams, normally begin to click later on and I think once this team is healthy and they're fully uh, together and have had time to be together they're going to be a very very dangerous team going forward. And everybody is asking about Corbello and when he might be back the answer is we don't know what's wrong with him other than what you mentioned uh, Dion about having that concussion and maybe some some post-concussion headaches and things like that so we don't know when he'll be back hopefully it will be soon and that certainly would add a, a whole different element to this team wouldn't it oh it does i mean to see this team um, orchestrate the way they're doing right now without their point guard it is is it normal i mean you've seen teams fall apart when they don't have their lead guard on the floor but the way they're sharing the ball and, and in the post game we talked to coach underwood last night that was one of the things we brought up and he talked about how, you know, they have gone through and he's drilled into the guys or they have drilled into the guys, his staff, that 
they don't want you holding the ball with longer than a second. So which will give you a chance, an opportunity to catch, look, read, and then move the basketball. And if they can continue to do that, as we saw last night, it's going to create wide open shots because all the you know the other team has to focus on Kofi because if you don't focus on him, then he's going to have another forty and maybe even a fifty point night. <laughs> so they have to focus on him, which opens up opportunities for the great shooters that we have on the perimeter. By the way, Kofi's shooting free throws better, uh, certainly better than he did last year. And on that subject, I just noticed that. Uh, Plummer is what twenty two for twenty two this season, man. <laughs> that's yeah. that's about as good yeah. as you can do, isn't it? <laughs> uh, it is. I mean, one of the things you want to do, you know, when you're playing, there, there are areas that you want to create. I won't say easy baskets, but you want to create scoring opportunities. One is in transition, which you know, with the loss of Io Desuma, we're not as potent right now in transition as we will be once we're healthy. The other one is from the free throw line and from turnovers. Illinois has done a really good job defensively turning teams over last night. We had double-digit points from turn from uh, Rutgers turnovers. But you mentioned the free throws. I mean, Plummer is an elite shooter, and, and that's carrying over to the free throw line where he's 22 for 22, as you mentioned. But the biggest turnaround is Kofi Coburn's free throw shooting. Um, I didn't think he – I thought there were some small things that he could do last year that would have really upped um, his, field, his free throw percentage. And I think – you know, under the tutelage of, of Coach Alexander, he has done that. I mean, his Brian and I commented last night just how beautiful his form is. You know, you don't have him leaning back as he was doing before. He's, you know, he, he's already a, a mountain in there, but he's shooting his free throws like what? His base is set, his release is beautiful. And I think he can get, if he continues to shoot this way, I mean, he'll be up somewhere around 70, 75%. And that was one of the things that, you know, the NBA people told him they need to see an improvement in was his ability to, you know, finish at the free throw line because he's going to get fouled a lot. And also um, a jump shot, which, you know, he's shown us a couple of those, you know, little jab step jump shots and things like so far early on in the season. So the big fella's been putting in the work. And, and you can see what, you know, working with Coach Alexander has improved his game over last year. Yeah, the, the thing about it, if you if you can't make free throws and you're vulnerable at the end of a game, they'll just foul you intentionally. And we saw that with Shaq many years ago, and he's starting to look more like Shaq all the time in terms of his performance, don't you think? Well, thank God, you know, and I love the big fella, but thank God he's not shooting free throws anymore like Shaq. But you, you mentioned it, and that was some of the things we would always talk about when he came, you know, when he got here on campus. Uh, and I joked with him one day, and I was like, well, you're just the second biggest person to, to walk across this campus. And he looked at me, he's like, what are you talking about? And I was like, yeah, Shaquille O'Neal came for a visit. So you're just the second biggest. But, you know, <laughs> when you look at them, <laughs> he, he got a kick out of that too, LT. <laughs> but when you look at his game and where it's going, you know, everyone knows he's big, he's strong, and he can dunk. But now he's added that finesse element to the game as well. I mean, he has a jump hook with left with his left hand as well as his right hand. And there was one play he made during um, oh my god, I can't remember which game it was. And and Brian laughed at me because I said he was looking like a twinkle toes because he made a spin move and he was dancing along the the baseline as he finished the basket. But you've seen the 
evolution of his game where he now it doesn't have to be all power. He can add finesse in there, and that's going to make that kid very dangerous and very, very hard to guard. And he can kick it out, too. He, he's doing that more yeah. so this year, and that uh, he had two assists last night. Hey, he's already surpassed this whole total. <laughs> he's surpassed this total all last season in the first few games of the season, but that was also something that was instrumental for Kofi. Um, because if He's doing the whole team, double team, him triple team. And then on some occasions with, we saw with uh, Loyola and then we saw uh, even this year, um, they're going to quadruple team him and then drop four people down into his lap. And when he shows that he can make that cross-court pass, which he did you know, multiple times last night and we got the hockey assist out of it you know, because they had great shooters in the corner, that's going to open up things for him. But I'll tell you what I saw last night that was even more impressive. He was excited about passing the ball out. He was excited about those guys knocking down the open threes when he kicked it out. And that's going to be huge for him because when you enjoy what you're doing, you guys know just like I do, you keep doing it. So it was it was fun for me to watch him enjoy uh, the success of his teammates from knocking down those open shots. So that's yeah, he, he was joking with Grandison because Grandison missed his shot when he, when he threw it to him. He, yeah. You cost me an assist. <laughs> so it's on his mind. It's definitely on his mind. And he's thinking, and you can tell he's thinking about it when the way he's doing it. And anytime he gets the ball like 10 to 12 feet away from the basket, uh, he, t- he tends to pass it now as opposed to, uh, you know, if he gets it deep, he's going to try to score it. I mean, that that's inevitable, but... And he I, should. I, I don't want him to pass the ball. Yeah. He's deep. I don't want him to pass the ball. Make him foul you. Yeah. I was calling early in the game last night, I was calling for Illinois to pass the ball to him because mm-hmm. it, it took a while before he got a shot in the game. Oh, yeah, I did. He, but he didn't seem to be worried about it. Nope. Deion Thomas with us. Deion, now the. Go ahead, Steve. I was going to say uh, the Big Ten season is underway, kind of. <laughs> they, each team plays two uh, Big Ten games before going back to non-conference games, but Illinois has another one in one of your favorite places on earth, Iowa City, coming up Monday night, and uh, that's, a, that's a tough place to get a W. Well, you know, Coach Underwood said something last night in the postgame which shocked me. I, I did not realize that he has not won in Iowa City. Well, keep uh, keep in mind they've only played there twice in his time. They, yeah, but exactly. But I mean, still, I was like, oh, that's right. You, you haven't won it because it just doesn't seem, you know, like that was the case. So I was surprised when he said it. But you know, Iowa Iowa City is a great place to play. It, you know, the crowd is on you. They're basically right there on the floor. It's a really exciting place to play. You know, and that team they lost a lot. You know, with Luca Garza and. You know, they've lost a lot, but, you know, that team is really good. You know, the Murray boys are playing really well. You know, Keegan Murray is, you know, emerging as a a really high, you know, NBA prospect with his athleticism, his ability to shoot the ball and other things. You know, the McCaffrey boys are playing really well. So this team is still really dangerous. Now, the thing is, on the offensive end, we know that, and then they return, you know, some other guys that, that are really good shooters and things of that nature. We all know Iowa has struggled defensively, uh, and, and that has never been one of Coach Fran's strong suits. You know, they play this very mixture. They mix up the defenses and things of that nature for a young team, which we are not now. 
that could cause an issue. But I don't see that uh, being an issue for us. And they don't have that guy in the middle that's going to be able to match up with Kofi. And now that's going to cause them to play some defenses that I think will probably put them in some really tight situations with all of the shooters that we have out on the floor. So it's going to be a good game. It's going to be a good game because Iowa's good. I mean, they lost last night, but they played really well, and I thought played better than I expected in that Purdue and that loss to Purdue, especially without having Keegan Murray on the floor. So I'm expecting a, a rough and tumble Big Ten basketball game between two teams that are not very fond of each other, to say the least. That's Deion Thomas, everybody. We appreciate your time, and uh, keep up the good work, my friend. Thanks, Deion. Always, guys. My pleasure. Have a good one. You too. It is 942. Back with more Illini Pellas Saturday Sports Talk after this. Welcome back to the show, everybody. Illini Pellas Saturday Sports Talk. It is 946. Lauren Tate and Steve Kelly with you all the way till 11 o'clock today. Thanks to uh, Deion Thomas for spending some time with us to talk about the Illini game last night. That's an 86-51 win over Rutgers to open Big Ten play. Going to talk some high school basketball now with our friend Joe Henriksen from City Suburban Hoops uh, Report and the Chicago Sun-Times. Good morning, Joe. How are you? I'm good. Good morning, guys. I bet you're glad to finally uh, get back in and see some uh, high school basketball with fans in the stands. And uh, there's a big event uh, going on this weekend, the Chicago Elite Tournament. I'm sure you're all over that. Uh, some outstanding basketball to be played there. Yeah, I'll be heading up there uh, today, obviously, uh, about six straight games. So, yeah, it's good to have these events back, have the opportunities to, you know, these kids to be back in normal circumstances and, you know, be able to play in, in, in you know, high-profile events like this one. Um, you know, obviously, for Illinois fans, this is an event that, that has a lot of interest for Illinois fans with, you know, with Ty Rogers playing there, obviously, and then, um, you know, um, you know, playing against St. Rita and, 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 and Russ Johnson. So, uh, it, it's just, uh, it's kind of weird that it's back to normal. I, I'm still not used to it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're not sure what normal is or what it's going to be, but uh, at least uh, it feels a little more normal at times. How good is St. Rita? Uh, I mean, they're extremely talented. I mean, it's just a it's in any level uh, when you have youth and, and experience, and not a whole lot of. You know, I mean, they're sophomores, but you know, a large group of them are sophomores. But you know, they didn't really play as freshmen, so you know, they didn't play meaningful games. They didn't play in high-profile shootouts or Christmas tournaments or get any state tournament action. So even though they're sophomores, they're they're really getting their first taste of, you know, these big stage opportunities. And while they're extremely, extremely talented, they are still young. And uh, there's still going to be some growth and, and maturity with those kids and those players and, and just getting acclimated to playing, you know, for high school level, high-stakes basketball. Well, Joe, uh, talk about Ty Rogers and, and his uh, move back to Thornton Harvey with Ty Streets. What uh, how good is he and how does he stack up as far as player of the year is concerned? Who are his, who are the main contenders there? Well, I you know from you know I, obviously my central focus is Illinois prospects uh, for twenty some years uh, doing this recruiting and and uh, you know talking with about high school players from Illinois with college coaches and uh, provide recruiting service to them, but as you're in gyms all the time, you're always watching all types of players, maybe not as focused and zeroed in, but because he was playing with mean streets, 
uh, an Illinois affiliated AAU program, I got to see him a lot. And mm-hmm. eventually, you you start just appreciating out of state players because you see him so much in a certain way. And he was this one this year before he was ever coming to Illinois. Before I mean transferring into to Thornton or before he became an Illinois commitment. Just a kid I loved. I just loved watching him compete. I loved the way he played. Uh, he did things the right way. I liked his the body language and what he brought to his team, Mean Streets and his teammates. Then you do a little bit of homework on him, and you see how much he won when he was in Michigan uh, as a high school prep player. And, and it just all kind of came, came together as far as, man, you love that kid. Um, so when Illinois was able to, to nab him, it was a, a, just a huge recruiting coup for me because I think he he fits what Brad Underwood, you know, looks for in kids and players, and he fits it to a T. So all of the physical attributes are there. He's tough. He's he's got a motor. Um, he just exudes a winning mentality, uh, and any college coach across the country is going to appreciate that because those are some characteristics and attributes that you know, aren't as common as you would think. So he brings that, uh, and, I, I, you know, he's got work to do. There's no question. I mean, he's he, he has a lot of work to do as far as the skill, I think, as far as, particularly shooting. He's got to be able to make shots at a higher clip, extend his range, and become more consistent with that. Uh, but that, that's, that's an area of the game that can – that can really prosper over time and reps. And, and, and I, I have no question he's going to be, become an adequate shooter. Skill-wise, though, he's a pretty good passer. He can find people. Player of the year-wise, you know, I think it's, you know, Ty's, you know, going to have, you know, we have a sometimes player of the year and there's a Mr. Basketball. And I think there's a distinct difference between the two uh, as the, the voting is done, you know, statewide. Uh, so there's a lot of people that, in history have kind of catered and favored Mr. Basketball to Illinois commitments over the years. And, uh, you know, we didn't even have a Mr. Basketball award in this state, which is a tragedy last year. I mean, that's just ridiculous, but it just breaks that long running tradition and history of that great award in this basketball state. Uh, and it was just a botched, uh, effort in doing that. But, you know, Ty Rogers is right there with Braden Huff, the Glenbard West six ten do-it-all, multi-skilled forward who's going to Gonzaga. Jaden Shute, Yorkville Christian, uh, who's going to Duke. Uh, one of the best shooters I've ever seen in this state. And then um, an outlier is probably Nick Martinelli. Because player of the year is a little bit different than best prospect. Is he the best prospect? No. But he is just an incredibly productive high school player in his career for Glenbrook South. They're one of the top five or six teams in the state. They have a showdown this Sunday with Glenbard West and Braden Huff two top five teams so you know he's kind of on the outside looking in but i think it's a legit shot just because he's going to put up massive numbers for a team that's going to be ranked high all year and, and probably win 25 plus games i guess i i, I asked you a tough one how do you think uh, rogers will stack up next year when he's at illinois and he's competing against players like melendez and goody for playing time how does he compare well, with i those just guys? think he, i think immediately he brings things that that most incoming freshmen don't bring, and that is just the, the toughness and the competitiveness and the physicality. You know, college-ready body is, is what Ty Rogers brings and with the mentality of, of a competitive nature that is going to will his way onto the court, I think. And 
and probably be more ready from day one as far as finding a niche in a role because that's what he's going to do. He's going to adapt uh, to the college game easier because he's got something that he has something to hang his hat on, and that's his toughness, competitiveness, high energy, athleticism. You combine and use all that. That gonna get that's gonna get you on the floor at the very least as a bit player, role playing, high energy guy that comes in, attacks the offensive glass. And I and you know, I remiss I I forgot to even discuss how good of a defender he is, which obviously that's going to get you on the floor quicker uh than even being you know, if you're a specialist like a shooter, yeah, that can get you on the floor in small minutes. But uh he just has those things that that winning teams need. And to throw him in there because he's ready, ready made because of his physicality and his college ready body. Talking to Joe Hendrickson, uh, your thoughts on uh, the recruiting efforts of late, uh, including Ty Rogers, but including uh, also uh, Epps and uh, Sincere Harris in next year's class. Uh, the recruiting efforts of this Illinois staff. I think it's made a turn here, particularly with the early commitments from or the early commitment from Merez uh, Johnson. Uh, that 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 really really raised the profile here in the state because uh, you know as you guys know and as Lawrence covered this for so long you know we had three plus decades of that roster being predominantly all Illinois prospects you know or that they were the mainstays of that Illinois program sure there was a Derek Harper and an Anthony Welch and a Corey Bradford a Darren Williams and a Robert Archibald here and there but. More or less, I mean, that, that's just been a program loaded with Illinois prospects, and now there's none. I mean, I mean it's DeMonte Williams. And, um, it, it, you know, I, I just think to reestablish that here in Illinois with Merez Johnson is huge. I, I think they're in a great situation and great position with Jeremy Fears, uh, the guard from Joliet, who's at Lalamure. Um, you know, he's a standout point guard, top 50 player in the country, in 2023 so uh, i i just think you know they're coming back home a little bit after really the state being a little weak as far as at the top with high major prospects over the last five six years that's no fault of you know brad underwood and his staff because there's nothing you can do you can't just take Illinois kids and take them and they didn't and they went out and they branched out like no other coaching staff in the history of that program has ever done uh, do you see any possibility that Johnson, as a sophomore, will uh, uh, enroll maybe a year early? Boy, that's a topic that, <laughs> I mean, I think it's way too early to even discuss it because they're still trying to get through their sophomore year. And, mm-hmm. and um, you know, they're, they're, all these new waves of different things are, are, are happening. But um, basketball, football-wide, I, I just – that physical nature of it, you know, being ready physically and mentally, uh, I, I wouldn't anticipate that. My fingers are crossed that the natural development just continues in high school basketball. and um, He rides that out with that group that he has at St. Rita, and they could, they have a chance to become, his junior and senior year, uh, they have a chance to become like a super team, like one of these elite powers uh, that we, our state hasn't had, you know, probably – you know, since the the Okafor Whitney Young type team, so we'll see if that sticks together in this day and age where there's so much transfers, not just in college basketball but high school basketball. Well, Joe, we're going to get back to you when you've seen more games, and we can 
get more, uh, you know, more information on these guys. But it sounds like I'm like you. I'd like to see Illinois return to from, uh, you know, from Puerto Rico to Illinois for for their talent. <laughs> Not that yeah, there's anything wrong with the guys from Kingston and right. and Puerto Rico. <laughs> No, I mean Illinois fans want to win. If you know, no matter how you do it, you just get the you know a winning program. And, and, and but it, it does add. I mean, if you could have a, a player here or there that you, you get to see and watch as high school and you follow and four years and they especially with the state tournament coming back to Champaign and being able to you know you remember those years where you get so excited where you have either a prospect that they were after or a prospect that they had signed that led a team to Champaign and, and play in the Assembly Hall for all those years in the 80s. And I, you know, to get back to some of that, it's just a little icing on the cake. Hey, Joe, we appreciate your time as always. Good to talk to you, and we'll do it again soon. Thanks, Joe. Thanks, guys. Have a good day. You bet. Joe Hendrickson from Chicago. It is 9.58. We've got the first hour of Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk in the books. We'll get hour number two coming up. We've got a couple texts to get to along the way, so stay with us, and we'll keep the phone lines open, 217-356-9397. We're back with hour number two after this. It's the second hour of Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk on News Talk 1400 and 93.9 FM WDWS Champaign-Urbana. Join the program by calling 217-356-9397 or send a text to the Castle Heating and Cooling text line, 217-351-5357. Here again are your hosts, Lauren Tate and Steve Kelly. Welcome back to the program, everybody. Hour number two at 10.02 here on News Talk 1400 and 93.9. Going to kick off this hour with Adam Rittenberg from ESPN.com. Adam, good morning. Welcome uh, back to the program. How are you doing? I'm doing great, uh, Stephen Lauren. Hope you guys are doing well. Doing well. Busy uh, day in college football. Busy week. Interesting week, to say the least, with uh, the the coaching situation. Uh, you've had a little time to to work on all those stories and kind of think about it a little bit. Have you seen uh, uh, that kind of week in the past? And how? Uh, what are your thoughts on the way things have shaken out? Well, yeah, it's certainly been uh, active. I mean, we knew this was going to be an active cycle with some of the early openings. Um, but then, you know, with with two moves, you, you know, it, it, people think, I think a lot of fans think that coaches move from one Power 5 job to another. It doesn't happen very often. And you almost never get a situation where you have, um, you know, a guy going from Oklahoma to the USC and then Notre Dame to LSU. I mean, <laughs> uh, Oklahoma hadn't lost a coach to another college job since 1947. And uh, um, uh, U.S. Uh, sorry, uh, Notre uh, uh, Notre Dame hadn't lost one to another college job. I think since like the early 1900s. So it's a very rare situation, and to have it in consecutive days with those types of coaches and programs involved is, is significant. And you know now we're still having a situation at Oregon with Mario Cristobal possibly going back to his alma mater in Miami. And so this uh, this coaching carousel is far from over. Yeah, the dominoes uh, have started to fall, and they, they will continue. And what an opportunity for, for Marcus Freeman at Notre Dame to be uh, become a head coach and his first opportunity to do so. It is. And, you know, he's he's only 35 years old, only been at Notre Dame for a year. But, you know, if you ever spent time around Marcus, and, you know, I covered him as a player. I don't know if you did as well, Lauren, but, um, you know, got to know him as a young assistant. He, he You could tell he, he's got some real special qualities to him as far as, 
relationship building, and you can tell why he's a, a tremendous recruiter. And since he arrived at Notre Dame, he's really galvanized you know, their recruiting, and they have a terrific class that's set to sign uh, here in a few days. Um, and uh, you know, him being there and the continuity on the staff, really very few uh, people at Notre Dame have followed Brian Kelly to LSU. So Notre Dame has a great chance to keep this recruiting class together uh, and then Marcus will have that chance to kind of grow into the head coaching position. But you could see the reaction of the players when they when they told uh, uh, them earlier this week uh, how excited they were for him. And you know, I think it's going to be important that he surrounds himself with experience. Um, you know, Tommy Reese, their offensive coordinator, is only twenty eight uh, or twenty nine. Uh, but 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 I think they're you know whoever who who he hires on the staff, uh, I think is going to be really important just to have you know, guys he can rely on who have maybe been in that head coaching chair before. But I'm really excited for Marcus and excited to see what he can do there. I am too. You know, I, I could never be a Notre Dame fan, but I'm closer to it now than I've ever been, maybe. But I, w- I want to bring up something else. I w- I, what's going on with the playoffs? Uh, this, I thought they had a great idea when they had the 12-team thing announced last year uh, as a possibility. And now who's fighting that and why won't that work? Yeah, so Lauren, it seems like the the uh, issue right now is uh, largely around the automatic qualifiers. Um, so you know, the initial proposal was basically you know, twelve teams, but it was the six highest rated conference champions, regardless of conference, would go uh, to the playoff. I think where you're seeing some pushback, especially from leagues like the Pac-12, who haven't been in the playoff now since 2016 is they don't want uh, just that broad, highest-rated conference champion. They want an actual spot. They want to be guaranteed a spot. I mean, I'll, I'll give you this. I was here in Las Vegas uh, for the Pac-12 championship last night, and you know Utah, which has three losses, mm-hmm. but is playing about as well as any team in the country. You know, they, they just pounded Oregon for the second time in three weeks. And yep. so I'm, I'm going over, standing next to George, George Klyovkov, the Pac-12 commissioner, at the end of the game, and the first thing he says to me is, Adam, this is why we need 12 teams. So, you know, would, would Utah have made it in with the current proposal? I don't know. But I think what George wants to fight for is that his champion in the Pac-12 is guaranteed a spot. Um, and so that, that seems to be the main sticking point, not necessarily 12 teams, uh, not necessarily having some games on campus, but that the uh, power conferences want to assert their power and ensure that regardless of whether their conference champion is, you know, number two in the country like Michigan or uh, I forget Iowa's ranking, whoever mm-hmm. wins that game tonight uh, would, would be assured of a spot in the college football playoff. Well, I, I, that seemed to me to make perfect sense. I mean, that you would have the champion of the, of the conference, uh, of, the, of the major conferences, uh, because you've got other spots open in that 12-team thing to, to bring in anybody else that, you, that deserves to be in there. Yeah, I think the pushback, though, is coming from the group of five because – you know, they, they would basically only be guaranteed one spot. So if you're going to go with six highest uh, six automatic qualifiers, it would be the five power five and then the highest rated group of five. And so I think what, what they'd love is to keep the initial proposal, which could open the door for uh, both, let's say, a, an AAC champion and a Mountain West champion, for example, or a MAC champion and a Sunbelt champion to both get into the playoff in the same year. So then it would squeeze out one of the power five champions if they're maybe not worthy of it and, and, and reward a team from the group of five that otherwise wouldn't get in the playoff. Okay. Well, how do you see it coming out? I mean, are they going to, are they going to get this thing settled by January? I don't know, Lauren, I thought it'd be settled by now. And, and, you know, Bill Hancock, the, 
executive director of the CFP said, if, if we don't have something in place relatively soon, you know, we're basically not going to be able to adjust the uh, playoff until after the current contract, or at least very late in the current contract, which is set to expire in 2025. And, you know, George Klyovkov was, was uh, even before the game yesterday here in Vegas, was saying that if, if, if things don't get settled by then, it's not like the Power Five is necessarily beholden to the Group of Five. We could basically form our own playoff and then invite them if they wanted to be part of it. So it was a pretty strong power play from George, uh, you know, as a, as a Power Five commissioner to say, hey, guys, if you don't get on board with what we want, uh, you know, there's no guarantee you're going to be part of this. When, when, when we create the, the, the new playoff model, because right now, you know, all the conferences are signed. It's a, it's a, you know, they're binding contract with all the contract, all the conferences. He said that's not necessarily going to be the case the next time around. Uh, if, if everybody doesn't get on board. Talking to Adam Rittenberg from ESPN.com. How do you see it uh, coming out today? Can Alabama handle Georgia? Does Houston upset Cincinnati? There's still a lot to be decided. Indeed, um, I, I think I think Georgia, in many ways, it would be a surprise if they lost um, to Alabama, even though Alabama's Alabama. But uh, you know, Georgia's just a lot better at the line of scrimmage. You guys have seen that all season. Alabama, uh, you know, is I would say a little ordinary on the defensive line, although Will Anderson is outstanding as a pass rusher. And then offensive, uh, their offensive line is just that's probably the unit that, that that just isn't where they were last year. The offensive line and, and wide receiver, understandably wide receiver, because you lose a Heisman Trophy winner, and you lose uh, uh, Jalen Waddell. But, um, you know, I just don't think they're nearly as dynamic on offense, and they're going to be facing a historically good defense in the uh, in the Bulldogs. Um, and so, you know, uh, and some, some people might say, well, Georgia doesn't necessarily have to win to make the playoff, and they don't. But the SEC championship is a huge deal, and being able to beat Alabama for the first time is a big, big deal for Kirby Smart. So I, I think Georgia's going to win that game. I'm fascinated to see how Cincinnati performs uh, today because it's all on the line for them. They're at home, but man, Houston has been really, really good uh, since losing their first game, and I think this will be, uh, you know, definitely Cincinnati's biggest test since going on the road to Notre Dame, and maybe their best test uh, of the season, depending on how Houston performs. You know, we're always interested in the Rose Bowl and and Utah being in there for the first time. What happened to Oregon? This is a team that beat Ohio State. What happened to Oregon? Yeah, you know, a couple of things, Lauren. I, I think that, you know, injuries really hurt them. I mean, it's part of the game, as you know, and, and, and not an excuse. But, um, you know, they, they were re- talking to some of their coaches after the game. I mean, they were really, really banged up. They lost, you know, a record-setting running back in C.J. Verdell. They lost, um, you know, some, some players in the, in the secondary on defense. And they just don't match up well with Utah. You know, I think Utah's physical style in terms of how they run the ball, how they use their tight ends. Oregon was was struggling with them, and then and then they just couldn't get anything going on offense. Um, you know, just I, I think they had 65 yards or 80 yards in the first half, um, and then they they were able to get a couple of takeaways on defense with uh, with Noah Sewell and then Verone McKinley the third. Both had interceptions and and uh, and they couldn't do anything. Missed a field goal and uh, and, and went three and out. And so when 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 they're down and you can't generate any points off the takeaways, it's gonna be tough to make a comeback and. You know, Utah was just uh, man, man. They're 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 playing at a, another level right now. Very very happy for them, as you know, guys. They had two horrible tra- tragedies in the last calendar year. You know, uh, where where two of their players died uh, via shootings. Uh, one was accidental, and uh, and the other happened at a party. And you know, just seeing the um, you know the emotion on the field. They had uh, one of the players' uh, mothers was an honorary captain. You know, uh, the 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 number twenty two was 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 honored throughout the year. That was 
both uh, Ty Jordan and, and Aaron Lowe's number, and they were obviously very, very close friends from <clears throat> from Texas. So uh, that was a really neat moment uh, last night, one that uh, I think we all could appreciate. It certainly will be a storyline going into that first Rose Bowl appearance for the Utes. Big Ten title game tonight in Indianapolis, Michigan, and Iowa. You think the Hawkeyes can uh, muster an upset there? I, you know, I think it's going to be interesting. Uh, I think they can. Um, then they're going to have to play well on offense, and that's been their their, their bugaboo here, uh, really, for a couple of years. Um, you know, one of my colleagues, Bill Connolly, had a great stat that when Iowa has a quarterback rating of 100, which isn't very good, hmm. they're 14 and one the last two years. So they just need adequate quarterback play. Now that's going to be tough with the way Michigan looked last week, but you know, you could have a little bit of a letdown. Uh, for Michigan when they finally beat Ohio State. I know it's the Big Ten title game, but you know, are they able to regenerate emotionally for, for this game, even with so much on the line? Uh, excited to see what Aiden Hutchinson can do as, as he's pushing for a, a Heisman candidacy um, uh, for, for, uh, for, for uh, Michigan at defensive end. And that, and then Iowa's going to try to win this game with, with, the, with the defense and special teams. They're, they're, you know, they're on pace for a school record in interceptions. And they have, I think, the best overall special teams units in the country under LeVar Woods, who I think should be getting consideration for head coaching jobs. So, um, I, you know, Iowa's always a chance, but uh, I think this game, we've seen it over the years, guys. The Big Ten championship game, what's different about it than any other championship game is that the environment with no weather is dramatically different from what we've all experienced the last month or so. Mm. And that typically favors the faster, more athletic team. That's why Ohio State usually wins that game. It's why I think Michigan's going to win tonight. Well, I've got one for you. Uh, I see where two Ohio State quarterbacks have already entered the portal. Illinois had a guy from Syracuse, uh, Tommy DeVito, who threw for 3,800 yards the last two years on campus. How many quarterbacks, <laughs> this is not a fair question, how many quarterbacks do you think are going to come out on the portal before it's all over? 75, 100? <laughs> it might be, Lauren. I mean, you know, it, it's just it's that position where you have the combination of you can only have one quarterback, and you have a combination of you know the years uh, and money that have been invested into uh, you know those players. And if they're not getting on the field, you now have a mechanism to move on. I mean, the, the Quinn Ewers thing uh, was such a big story before the year when he you know, joined Ohio State and skipped his senior year of high school and started his NIL clock uh, and really didn't play at all. Uh, for the Buckeyes, and now he's moving on maybe back to his home state uh, of Texas. Not a surprise. You knew they were going to lose at least one of the, of those quarterbacks. If they're able to retain Kyle McCord as a backup to C.J. Stroud, it's, I still think they're going to be in good shape for the future. But, uh, yeah, not not a huge shock uh, to see uh, at least one quarterback move on, and that's going to be the norm here, guys. Uh, it's why, you know, you mentioned Illinois uh, looking at transfer quarterbacks. Adrian Martinez is in the, is in the transfer portal, a four-year starter from Nebraska, um, there's guys who have played a lot. There's guys who have played a little. But if they're not playing, they're going to be moving on. And that's, uh, that's just the reality of college football in 2021. We'll let you go with this. Your assessment of year one of the uh, Brett Bielma era at Illinois? Yeah, very encouraging, right? I mean, e- even if, and, and I would just caution Illinois fans, and you guys know this because it's so close to the program, even if they take a step back next year, which is possible because of the roster situation, I think that they're, they're moving in the right direction. The way they played, being able to win big games on the road is huge. Uh, that didn't happen a whole lot um, under the previous few regimes. Uh, and just being competitive in, in most of their ball ballgames. Uh, easily could have made a bowl game 
uh, this year, which is uh, which would be you know uh, a big accomplishment given what's happened at Illinois. So I think the way that they're recruiting, they're going about it the right way. They, they're forming an identity. You know, teams playing hard uh, in, in in tough environments. So yeah, I think it's a, a really encouraging start for the Illini. And again, even if they take a step back record-wise next year, which I'm not saying is guaranteed, but is always possible, I still think the arrow is pointed up for them long-term. Adam, I just want to say that uh, we feel very honored to have you come on with us, as you do from time to time, to to bring us up to date on these national events, because uh, I think you do a better job than anybody in the business. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. You know my admiration for you, Lauren, and uh, it's always great being on with you guys. Have a great – enjoy the championship Saturday and selection Sunday in in the playoff, guys. Appreciate it. Yep, thank you, Adam Rittenberg, senior writer for ESPN.com here at uh, 1017. A lot of IPLA Saturday sports talk will continue after this. Moving up on 1020, open line right now, 217-356-9397 if you'd like to join us. Women's volleyball action, NCAA tournament action coming up this afternoon at 4 o'clock. It's Illinois and Kentucky in uh, tourney play down in uh, Lexington. Illinois uh, defeated West Virginia 3-1 last night, and Kentucky, playing on their home uh, court, beat uh, Southeast Missouri 3-0. It was 3-1, Illinois over West Virginia. And those two teams will meet at 4 o'clock, Illinois and Kentucky. Kentucky won the national title last year. They're seventh seeded this year, but playing at home. So uh, Illinois will be the underdog in that, but you never know this time of year. By the way, uh, also today, going on right now, if you're interested, uh, the DIA holiday merchandise sale. goes. We got a lot of stuff over there. I went through it yesterday. Did you? Yeah, when I was over at the stadium yesterday, and my goodness, they got... Just all, it's all in that West Great Hall. Yep. Sweatshirts, hats, all kinds of things. Until 2 o'clock today, the Great West Hall, you should enter through gate number 10. There's free parking in the Northwest State Farm Center lot. That's at Kirby and First. That's the DIA holiday merchandise sale in conjunction with our friends at Game Day Spirit going on until 2 o'clock this afternoon. Nice day to get out and about. And if you're uh, looking for windows or doors for your home, the folks at the Pella Window and Door Store in Champaign on North uh, Country Fair Drive, they've been serving uh, area residents and homeowners throughout the state for a long, long time now. And they want to help you find the perfect window or door for your home. Whether you're looking for new or replacement windows or doors, you can check out their showroom at 1001 North Country Fair Drive to uh, look at the products in person. Discover the beauty of wood windows, the ease of those between the glass blinds, or the durability of fiberglass entry doors. You know, Pella is rated number one by Champaign homeowners as the window brand that uh, can improve the value of your home. And they know all about what to uh, look for and what to ask for as far as your property is concerned. And working with the folks at Illini Pella is an easy process as they'll be there to help you from uh, start to finish along the way from the shopping to the installation. If you're thinking about it, even thinking about it, you might look down the road a little bit. Uh, They're taking uh, appointments and orders, and it is a little bit uh, challenging now to get that product in hand. So you might want to talk to them about it and uh, share your uh, time frame with them, and they'll be happy to help. Visit the showroom, though, to get started, 1001 North Country Fair Drive. They're open Monday through Friday, 8 to 5, Saturday by appointment. Check out the products at Pella of Champagne 
Mary.com. Say hi to Mike Mary and Luke Mary and the rest of the guys out of the uh, Pella Window Store. 1022, open line going on right now. We've got a couple texts here that uh, we had earlier. and we'll, uh, One was, why was the crowd booing? The Rutgers <laughs> player number four last night. That wasn't the crowd. It was the Orange Crush, yeah, <laughs> which well, was certainly part he, of the crowd. Uh, he um, drew their ire last year. Paul McKay is his yeah, name. McKay, right. So every time he got the ball, <laughs> they, they, they've got a memory. They remembered last year. That's, that's the only answer that I know. Well, and the Crush has a tendency to focus in on one player or coach, and uh, and they have they came up with some very creative things. Really? Can you can you tell what those were? No. <laughs> Some of them I probably could. Others I, I couldn't. But uh, they're right behind me where I sit down there. So, <laughs> so not only do I hear the uh, the bench conversation, I get the the Orange Crush up close and personal, and that uh, that's an outstanding group of uh, fans. But that's why they were on him. Another texter said, um, "Is Illinois a better team? And team is capitalized without Curbelo." And he is what this person called selfishness, over-dribbling, careless turnovers. Uh, are those a big negative? Well, that's the Corbello that you've seen so far this year, right. and he's clearly not on his game. Um, that's not the Corbello we saw last year right. when he came in at the end of the season. He played all year, of course, off the bench. And uh, when uh, Iowa was out, he, he was a huge factor in, in, in the successful run. I, Illinois won uh, before they lost the game in the tournament uh, to Loyola. They they were fourteen and one on that run. He was a big factor in that, and he was a very good addition to the team. Now, I here here's my theory, and you can throw it away or whatever you want to do with it. I think that he coming into this year, he felt like he had to take over this team, and more than that, I think the players on the team felt like he needed to take over too. And I think there was a lot of standing around with him dribbling in the early games. And I also now, uh, and also he had the concussion. I don't know how that impacted him, but uh, I think he'll be back at some point. But will they be a better team? I think they'll be a better team with him, but I think, I think that they're a better team when they play this, uh, when they're not in the pick and roll thing, because I don't think Kofi works that well. I think he's better off uh, posting up. And passing out because, like I said earlier, when you throw the ball to Kofi, immediately somebody's going to be open. It may be not may, uh, when he passed it out. Maybe not be the first guy that gets the shot, but there it throws the defense out of kilter when you double team and they're struggling to try to catch up. And if you throw the ball around quickly on the outside, you're going to get a shot, an open shot. Let's go back to the phones and Harold is calling from Urbana. Go ahead, Harold. Yes, I just wonder if you have any update about Hutchinson. It just seems uh, I, I don't see him uh, name mentioned very much at all. Is he still uh, hurt? He had the flu, one of those guys that had the, the flu bug, and they hadn't seen him for a while. They hadn't seen him for five days. Yeah, and he, he got in late last night uh, in the ball game, but uh, I think he's, uh, I think his injury yeah, is... They practice. No, but I think his, uh, his back injury and his... Rear end injury, his tailbone injury is is better, but he then he got uh, bogged down with the flu that was going through the team. Okay, great, thank you. We'll yep. never know what would have happened if he could have come out of the. He was red hot this summer in practices with the team, and they're talking about him being a starter. 
and he was the leading scorer in the first exhibition game on this team. If he could have carried all that momentum in and been healthy, and there's no telling how what kind of a factor he could have been. But now to try to get back when you've been set back multiple times with the hip, with the uh, tailbone injury and 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 sickness, uh, he's way behind, and he's got to catch up. And I don't know, you know, is there room for him to catch up? We'll see. Mark in Urbana, what's on your mind this morning? Good morning, guys. Uh, this is great to. Um, to get a win last night, I, I wanted to know what was the quarterback that was, uh, uh, I guess, the transfer quarterback that's checking out the U of I. And then, um, as far as basketball, uh, what is, what do you think Illinois would do against this press that I think Iowa was going to uh, give? They gave uh, Purdue started to have problems when they started going into the uh, three quarter press, and I was just wondering about our guard play as far as handling that press, and I'll hang up and listen. Okay, appreciate your call. Well, I, I think that uh, there'll be concern there as far as when, when, when if Iowa gets behind, they're probably going to pressure to see what happens. It worked for Purdue, so naturally they'll try it again. Uh, I, I think that Illinois can handle it, but we'll see. It's all about passing the ball and getting the ball down the court and getting an early shot because you're going to get a whole bunch of good shots against Iowa. Here's the thing. Illinois shot five, around 500, 48% or 52% in several of these recent games. They're around half, they're making about half their shot. If they make half their shots at Iowa, they'll win. Now, can they do that? You're on a foreign court. It's not the home court. It's just different. They've got a nice four-game winning streak here going, and they shot really well against Kansas State, and they shot well in the last three games since uh, in, in this four-game win streak. But... Um, Sometimes uh, at Iowa you don't shoot as well. I don't know why. That I don't think it's their defense. That quarterback you mentioned, his name was DeVito. D-E-V-I-T-O. And look, he's one guy, and they're going to have a whole bunch of quarterbacks on campus because they got to pick out the right one. Maybe this is the right one, but maybe it isn't. Maybe there there'll be so many. I mean, what do you think? What do you think about Martinez? Would you want Martinez for one year? I'll tell you right now, he'll be better than whoever we get. I'll guarantee it. He's a really good quarterback, but they had a bad team and a bad line, and he had bad luck. But we saw him a few years ago, Steve, and he just tore Illinois apart for Nebraska. Yep. A couple other texts we got here, one uh, regarding Corbello. Uh, texter says, would love to see him back. He, everybody, of course, is pulling for a healthy recovery. Hopefully he won't feel the pressure to score and then – he could focus more on creating for his teammates. And I was thinking along those same lines. He's had a chance to see how this offense is starting to shape up. Mm-hmm. And so, again, maybe he <clears throat> he knows there's other scores there to get the ball to. Well, there are. And, and he had fewer assists than we expected him to have when he was playing because he was doing a lot of dribbling and, and shooting himself. It is 1030. Lonnie Pella Saturday Sports Talk. We'll learn more about the Iowa Hawkeyes the football Hawkeyes and the basketball Hawkeyes when we uh, continue after this timeout. Steve Batterson, who's been with the Quad City Times for 36 years. How I many? Believe, 36. Holy cow. He was just a kid when he that started. Man's getting old. Yeah. <laughs> he, was, uh, he was just a youngster getting going there. He's an Iowa graduate, covered uh, Iowa all those years, and we'll visit with him coming up. We're back with more on Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk after this. 
It is moving up on 1033. This is Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk with Lauren Tate. I'm Steve Kelly with you until 11 o'clock. Pretty active uh, day so far. A lot of football to talk about. Basketball as well. Big Ten season is officially underway for a couple of games for each uh, team before going back to non-conference play. We're happy to welcome uh, back to the program our friend uh, from the Quad Cities area, Steve Batterson, Quad City Times. Good morning, Steve. How are you? Hey, good morning, Steve. I was uh, doing some investigation and uh, learned that, uh, and of course we've known each other a long time, as you've known Lauren, but I didn't realize you'd been with the Quad City Times that many years. You must have started when you were 10. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's about right, 10, 12, somewhere. Lauren and I were uh, uh, in school together, I think. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're busy this weekend. You were in West Lafayette last night to watch uh, Iowa play Purdue in basketball. You're over in Indy now for the uh, football championship game, the Hawkeyes and Michigan coming up uh, tonight. Let's start with basketball. Uh, and Iowa gave, I think, uh, Purdue a, a better game than maybe... Now, again, both teams were going in undefeated, so I guess maybe we shouldn't be surprised. But uh, I thought uh, a lot of people felt that uh, Purdue was a bigger favorite at home. In fact, that uh, they might be the number one team in the country going in uh, next week when the votes come out. But your thoughts on the way the Hawkeyes played the Boilers last night without their best player? Yeah, Keegan Murray was out last night with an ankle injury that he suffered at uh, in Virginia earlier in the week. Uh, he is expected back Monday night for Illinois when they when they show up in in Iowa City. So, um, you know, one game absence and uh, Iowa gave a pretty good accounting of itself against a, a really solid Purdue team. It's been an interesting start for Iowa. You know, a lot of questions. Uh, this is the first time Fran McCaffrey has ever had a team with with uh, no players in the same roles that they were in the year before. Uh, you know, it's a very different type of team. There's no Luca Garza inside or Joe Wieskamp, and it's uh, you know, Jack Nungy is doing his thing at Xavier. So, I mean, it's it's been a it's been a little bit of an adjustment, but a new look, and and uh, certainly they're they're pushing tempo and and doing some good things from that standpoint. Well, it used to be you just they didn't make too many bones about it. If you're going to beat us, just outscore us, and uh, maybe 95 to 88 or whatever. But are they playing better defense now? Yeah, definitely. Uh, you know, that's been a point of emphasis going into the season, and I think it's it's been kind of a strong suit of this team so far. Uh, you know, they hadn't really been challenged until this, this week. Uh, the Virginia win was uh, was a good one for Iowa. Uh, they did not shoot the ball well last night at all uh, in, in the first half, shot about 27%, and, and came back and shot it a little better in the second half to, to kind of claw their way back after falling falling behind by 19, but uh, got it within two and then just weren't able to finish. But, uh, you know, I, it's an interesting team. I mean, he, he's got some, some uh, you know, solid returning guys in, in, in Bohannon and, and Toussaint has, has shifted into the point guard role. Uh, it's, it's a group that uh, I think is going to continue to get better as the season progresses, but uh, it's off to maybe a little bit better than anticipated start. Uh, the, the first uh, five or six games on their schedule were, were very manageable and uh, by design. And uh, it's been, uh, you know, a matter of this week and, and, and next week with Illinois and then a, a game at Iowa State on Thursday of next week, uh, uh, you know, to kind of really figure out what this team's about. Yeah, it's interesting. They've got two sets of brothers on the team. Is that right? They don't have a third set, do they? Not yet. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, uh, yeah, Keegan and Chris Murray are, are twins, uh, son uh, of Kenyon, sons of Kenyon Murray, uh, former hockey, uh, played their high school ball at, at Cedar Rapids Prairie. 
uh, and and then spent a year uh, kind of working on their games down at down at an academy in in Florida before uh, uh, joining the Hawkeyes uh, a year ago. Keegan obviously had some minutes last year where Chris kind of um, you know uh, got acclimated to to the college game, and and both of those guys have been pretty solid contributors so far. I wonder uh, why was Mur- I guess the answer is. Uh... They had three all-stars on the team last year that did most of the scoring. But how come we didn't notice Murray more last year? Uh, because Luca Garza was uh, running around underneath the basket. Okay. <laughs> uh, you know, his, his his role last year was not to score. And, uh, you know, he, he was there to kind of be a facilitator and, and do some things uh, uh, that, uh, uh, you know, maybe uh, – that I would needed him to do as opposed to, uh, you know, the guys they had playing down low. And, and, you know, now uh, there's a need for his offense to be a big part of this team. And, and it's, that was an off season concentration. And it certainly is, has come to fruition uh, uh, so far uh, this season. Talking to Steve Batterson from the Quad City Times. Let's go to football. The Hawkeyes playing in the uh, Big Ten uh, title game for a second time in, in their history. They're about a 12 and a half point underdog to Michigan. How do you size that one up? Yeah, Michigan's playing awfully well. Uh, well-rounded football team. Um, Iowa's going to need probably its best game of the season, particularly on offense. They're going to need to be able to kind of control the clock a little bit with the run, which will be easier said than done uh, against the Wolverines. And, um, you know, this is a team that, uh, um, you know, had to have a little help on the last weekend of the year, and, and Minnesota came through to knock off Wisconsin and, and give Iowa a chance to, to get back to Indy for the first time since 2015. And, uh, you know, it, it just, it's an, been an interesting season for this team. I mean, it's a small senior class. Uh, a lot of younger guys are, are kind of uh, leading the way. Uh, and it, it's, been a, it's been a year where, you know, Iowa certainly had some expectations going into the season. Uh, we were able to handle a couple of games uh, early right out of the shoot against Indiana, which was rated at the time. Um, and Iowa State, which was also ranked at the time, and and uh, you know that kind of uh, spared uh, Iowa into some good things. Uh, you know, ranked as high as number two in the country, and then back-to-back losses to Purdue and, and Wisconsin, and you know a couple of teams that have kind of been a thorn in Iowa's side for the last few years. And uh, but uh, they yeah, they were able to regroup and have won four straight, and and uh, you know are doing what they did early in the season. They're creating some turnovers, getting some big plays out of special teams, and, you know, riding the strengths of uh, those two phases of the game to uh, to make up for an offense that has uh, uh, taken some time to develop. Uh, a lot of young guys on the offensive line, some injuries early on. It it, it took time for the pieces there to fit together. And, and uh, uh, what we've seen over the last four weeks is kind of some progress up front and that's allowed Iowa to, to uh, you know, use Tyler Goodson and, and do some things with the running game that maybe were a struggle early on. Steve, uh, we see everybody using the transfer portal for players. Has Iowa gone into that very much at all? For football, not, not a tremendous amount. Um, you know, I, I think there's a realization that there, there may be a need in some areas. Um, you know, Charlie Jones is a, is a kid that was uh, uh, started his career at Buffalo. Yeah, uh, saw too much of him. <laughs> yeah, about a hundred yards worth. Yeah, yeah. But, <laughs> um, you know, real good kid out of Deerfield in terms of receiving ability and 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 uh, certainly as a return guy. Um, you know, he, he's a guy that uh, felt like he he had, was capable of competing at the Big Ten level. Um, and Iowa had him walk on initially before giving him a scholarship. But, uh, 
Um, you know, he, he certainly has earned it with his work the last couple of years. And uh, they, they dabble a little bit. Uh, they're aware of, of folks in the, in the transfer portal. Uh, Coy Cronk, an offensive lineman who, who started his career at Purdue, finished, or excuse me, at Indiana. He's, he's from West Lafayette. Um, ended up uh, completing his career at, at Iowa a year ago on the offensive line, had some injuries there. But uh, So, I mean, they're out looking, uh, particularly in areas where they may have a need uh, that might not be a, an immediate uh, uh, situation. Maybe they have a younger kid that might be being counted on, and, and if they can find a senior that, that maybe will help kind of ease that transition, they'll, they'll go out and do that. But uh, um, it, it hasn't been to the to the extent of a lot of teams, but but I, I think they're they're realizing now that uh, that you need to be involved in that if if you're going to uh, you know if you're going to be part of, of what college football is evolving into right now. Uh, what about the quarterback situation tonight? Uh, uh, Iowa has used two quarterbacks this season. Yeah, Spencer Petras is is back under center. Uh, he played the second half against. Uh, Nebraska last week, uh, Alex Padilla came in and started that game as, as he did against Illinois and, 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 and Minnesota the week before as Petrus was kind of dealing with the shoulder thing. And uh, Spencer came in and, and moved the team um, in the second half, and uh, Iowa was down 21-6 to against the Huskers, and things weren't looking really good. They, they weren't moving the ball much at all. And uh, Spencer brought a little life to the offense. Uh, you know, he, he's got he's got 17 starts under his belt. His belt. He's he's got that experience that uh, that maybe Alex doesn't have. And I think they feel like, especially against a a, a team as, as as stout defensively as Michigan is, that uh, the experience that uh, Spencer Peters brings to the table is probably a, a benefit heading into tonight's game. And and so that's where they're going to start tonight. And he's 100% healthy. He said the only real, real issue he has right now is he has. It takes a little longer to warm up, but uh, uh, once he's warm, uh, things are normal. And he certainly showed the ability to, to throw the ball a little bit uh, against the Huskers to, to kind of uh, help Iowa rally a week ago. Lord and I have that same problem. It takes a little longer to, to get <laughs> <Definitely>. warmed up. <laughs> Tell me about it. <laughs> hey, Steve, you've probably uh, followed and known uh, Brett Bielma as long as about anybody with the fact that he played at Iowa. He's a Quad City area guy. I want to get your reaction what was your reaction when Illinois hired him uh, a year ago? And now that he's had one season under his belt, uh, what do you think uh, about the job he's done and is doing here in Champaign-Urbana? Yeah, I put him on an all-Western Illinois team when he was lining up for the Profits Down Profits. So <laughs> we, we do go back a ways. But, uh, uh, you know, I, I think Brett's a good hire for Illinois. He has a love for this state and, and, and certainly uh, – um, you know, I think that uh, he, he's a competitor. There's no question he, he's an excellent football coach. He showed that as both an assistant at Iowa and as a head coach at, at Wisconsin. And, uh, you know, I, I think he's, he, was a, he was the right hire at the right time for a program that, that desperately needed to connect itself with the coaches in the state. We were hearing that from folks in our area as well as elsewhere in the state, I'm sure, that there, there was a real disconnect. And, and uh um, you know, if you're going to be the University of Illinois, you, you, you better start recruiting your home state if you're going to have success. And, and uh, you know, certainly Brett has brought that to the table. Um, you know, I think he had a, you know, a, a solid first season. I'm sure there's a couple of games he would have preferred a different outcome in. Um, but, uh, you know, that's all part of the process. And, and um, you know, as, as he gets his own players in and, and as he, uh, uh, you know, adapts to uh, to this 
circumstances. And, you know, I, I think Illinois is going to be fine. They're going to be a very stout competitor in the West. I mean, he's going to build that program, not unlike the programs that, you know, that Iowa has, the Wisconsin has, the Minnesota has, uh, um, you know, there's a certain style of football that, that kind of, uh, uh, is the Big Ten West, and and I would anticipate that uh, you know Illinois is going to find its its niche in that in that collection of, of teams, and you know there there aren't going to be many easy trips to Champaign in future years for folks. Hey Steve, we appreciate your time. Uh, thanks for joining us and uh, enjoy the ball game tonight. I know you're working, but. Uh... Good to see Iowa in the uh, Big Ten title game. And I think most folks, I, I think a lot of folks would have a hard time deciding who to root for in, uh, in an Iowa-Michigan battle. Oh, I don't have any problem. I'm, uh, I'm going to root for Iowa. I am too. <laughs> but I th- it may be futile. I think <laughs> Michigan's better. But, uh, you know, I, I like Iowa. I, think, I, I like the way they go about business. Yeah, they do. Hey, Steve, thanks a lot. We appreciate it. My pleasure, guys. Take care. You bet. Steve Batterson from the uh, Quad Cities Times. Been there quite a while covering those Iowa Hawkeyes. 10.45, we'll take a break. We'll have an open line the rest of the way if you'd like to join us. 217-356-9397 on the Line I Pella Saturday Sports Talk. It is moving up on 10.48. You got any comments or questions? You've got about 12 minutes to get in. 217-356-9397 is our telephone number. Got a texture say that... He or she thinks that Martinez has two years of eligibility left when you figure in that free year somewhere along in there. And the question might be, does he want to stay in the Big Ten or not? He's seen some Big Ten football. But it seems like he's been there forever. Now, I know they had another quarterback. Well, he's been there at least four years. Yeah, but. Okay, five, six. So you're <laughs> saying he could play through six years total. That's what they're saying. I haven't look, been able to look but it up. But this year counts, and the two years previous to the last year count. So she thinks that he's got two more years. I don't know if it's the she or he. And would he want to go to school that long and yeah. and you know and and uh, play two more years of college? I don't. It's. I I don't know. I just all I'm saying is I think he's a good quarterback, and I think he had a lot of bad luck at Nebraska. Nebraska just blew a bunch of games. I mean, what they have eight games that's decided uh, lost by one touchdown or one possession. Yeah, yeah. The biggest mystery uh, when you think about him with me is in the year that Illinois went out there and killed him the year before last. They benched him. Yeah, after he had a career game against Illinois the year before. Yeah, and we were lucky because McCaffrey was the quarterback last year. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, that was last year, wasn't it? It was last year, yeah. yeah. Uh, or am not, I crazy? I don't know. Was not, it? not this past year, but yes, 2020. Yeah. 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 Not this past season, but uh, let's go back to the phones. Uh, Howard is in uh, Champaign. Go ahead, Howard. Uh, Steve, uh, Lauren, last night, what was the deal with the Rutgers player that they booed every time he touched the ball? What was going on there? That's just history. That, uh, that they uh, He's one of those guys that uh, you, you hate him if he's not on your team, but you probably would like him if he was. He uh, he did some chattering in the against Illinois last year up there. Oh, okay. He's a carrier. Lauren, I really like the way Melendez plays. I think he's going to be a a baller. Well, I think he, I, I, do, I, I, I think I like he's got a, I think he's got a real chance to be a player too. But I just there's not room for everybody. I I don't know how that's going to work out. I mean, I don't know how when Hutcherson. You're you're thinking about years in the future as opposed to this year. You mean? 
Yeah, you brought it up earlier. You didn't know how a recruit was going to mesh with yeah. uh, Melendez, and I, I, I think he's a player, but, of course, Underwood's the boss there. We'll do what he says. Well, you know, people are saying that Rogers, Ty Rogers is really good. Yeah, and, I know. Now, the other thing is both he and Fears, uh, is there some question about their shooting? I mean, when you say, well, the one thing he's got to work on is his shooting, and Fears is a terrific prospect, out of you know, the, the brothers out of Joliet. One is just a freshman, I think, this year, mm-hmm. isn't he? And he's terrific. He's probably the best freshman in, in the state. And the two Fierce guys, I mean, how do they shoot from the perimeter? That's, I mean, if there's a question there, I think Melendez is a good shooter. But I, I'm, I don't know how wrong I am. I thought uh, Hawkins was a good shooter from the perimeter, too, when I saw him in high school. But I don't see that now. I, I don't have com- – I mean, he misses some shots. So, I mean, he missed one com- – missed the basket and everything last on his first open shot, and on his second one he made it. So, I don't know. Uh, Plummer, how many more years do we have him? No, none. Zero. <laughs> this is it. This is it. Boy, he's got a nice shot. He sure does. He's got that quick release. He really gets it up quickly. And not uh, only that, I, he's not strictly a three-point shooter. No, he he can drive a little bit, and he's got a nice medium-range shot. This he guy's a good shooter. Basket. Period. Twenty-two out of twenty-two free throws. When he takes you to the basket, he makes you look really bad. Well, the other thing that they got to learn about him, he's left-handed. He doesn't do that from the right side. He does it from the left side. And then, see, they so stopped. We, we, they've, they've figured it out on on Frazier. They won't let him drive that way. And they'll figure the same thing out on on uh, Plummer, I think. You just got to make him go the other way. He he didn't want to shoot that three point shot going the other way. He didn't want to shoot the jumper going the other way. So we just have him for this year. Yeah. Anything else, Howard? No, that's it. Okay. Thank you. Appreciate you taking time to make the call. Ten fifty two. We've got uh, five or six minutes uh, left. If you'd like to join us, let's. Uh, Check in uh, with um, Vic. Go ahead, Vic, out in Arizona. Thank you very much. Pleasure to speak to you folks. I was just wondering about the two Brandons, Brandon Lieb and uh, Brandon Podziski. They appear to be, to me, a little overmatched, and I'm wondering... Is there any possibility that there might be turnover there? Absolutely. Absolutely. A leave especially to me. I, I, I don't see. If you're below the top ten I, players I, on the squad, you're, there's possibility of. They're, they, they, they're, they're maximized right now on the number of players they can bring in. What if they want to bring in another one? Somebody's got to go. I mean, I'm, I can add. I mean, I can't. I'm not a mathematician, but I can add up to 13. <laughs> well, the thing is that Lieb's position, you know, would be a critical one if you can bring in a more skilled big guy. That would obviously be a a huge asset for the program. Yeah. Well, they've already got one big guy coming, and don't think that they're going to stop there if they can find another guy that really that they think can play. Because they got the transfer from from Baylor, you know, the big guy there, and and he's coming, and he's I think he's going to be here in January. By the way, he's going to be here next month. He's not going to play, but he's going to be practicing with the team, and he'll be contending. To, uh, if Kofi leaves, uh, 
he'll be the leading candidate to start at center, I would think, over Omar Payne. What do you think, Steve? You think he'd be... It'd be a toss-up between those two, wouldn't it? Yeah, I haven't seen enough of the the Baylor kid yet, but uh, uh, although I like what I saw from Payne last night, I don't know that you he was better last I'm night. I'm not sure you're going to get a lot of offense out of him at any point, but he had seven rebounds in ten minutes, mm-hmm. and he can block a shot. You just don't. You just got four other guys that are going to try to score when he's on the floor. Anything else, Vic? Uh, no, sir. That'll do it. Thanks so much. Have a great day. You too. Thanks for calling and listening in Prescott Valley, Arizona this morning, 1055. Another football note, Daniel Barker, Illinois tight end, is uh, going to declare for the NFL draft. Going to miss him. He's a, I just think he was frustrated. And I, I think he felt like he could be more valued to this team than than they were using him. And I don't think he's probably going to. I don't know if he's going to make it in the NFL, but my question was going could, to be: Has he shown enough? Yeah. In, I don't think they've used him enough. I right. Mean, I don't know how good a blocker he is because they seem to like the other two guys. Uh, Riemann came in as a walk-on here, and I think he got a scholarship this year, didn't he? Uh, after walking on, but uh, I, I the, the tight end position is about ninety, well, eighty or ninety percent blocking, and, and the rest is catching and. And uh, Barker's strength is, a, is as a receiver, and he wasn't used enough. I think that's fair to say, if you're going to be a critical. Right. It is 10.56. We'll take our final break and be back with some final words for you here on the Lanai Pella Saturday Sports Talk after this. A couple of minutes left on uh, this edition of the Lanai Pella Saturday Sports Talk. Illinois NCAA Volleyball coming up this afternoon, 4 o'clock. Illinois and Kentucky down in Lexington. Women's basketball tomorrow against EKU, Eastern Kentucky University at the State Farm Center. Illinois men's basketball on the road heading to Iowa City. Where are you going, Ed, tomorrow? Yes. Sunday to Iowa City for that Monday night game. And a lot of college football to watch today, Mr. Tate. Yep, yep. I'm going to watch Cincinnati for sure. I'm going to watch. I'm going to watch Iowa tonight. I'm going to watch a little basketball at 11:30 or 12. I can't remember. I think I got, we got. I got a game. I know. I just got it in my mind. I got a game at 11:30. And you've got the Alabama Georgia game. I think that's at three o'clock. Three o'clock. Yeah. So there's a lot. A uh, lot going on. Appreciate all the folks that uh, took time to uh, call us this morning. Had several phone calls and uh, texts coming in. Thanks to uh, Dion Thomas, Joe Henriksen, Adam Rittenberg. And Steve Batterson, who uh, guested on the show this morning. Thanks to Dave Leak, our producer behind the scenes. Appreciate you listening. For uh, Lauren Tate, I'm Steve Kelly. We'll talk to you again uh, next week and uh, probably some times in between here on WDWS News Talk 1400 and 93.9 FM Champaign-Urbana. Have a good weekend, everybody.